Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Okay. Good start for the Calgary Flames. My goodness, they're up 3-0 on the Panthers with about seven minutes left in the first period. Dubé, Huberto, Anderson with the goals there in overtime. Hurricanes and Penguins are 2-2. Gensel tied it at 19-02 of the third. Sharks have beaten the Canadians 4-0. Canadians are here on Saturday to play the Oilers. Late in the third, looks like Boston's going to win again. 3-1 lead on the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're going to go to 19-3. Early in the third, Flyers leading the Islanders 2-1. Predators up 1-0 on the Ducks. That's late in the second. Middle of the second, Jets 2, Avalanche nothing. Wheeler and, uh, Wheeler and Morrissey are the goal scorers. Later, Caps at Van, tentacle team, will try to commit a little regicide in Los Angeles. Uh, World Cup scores Senegal 2, Ecuador 1, Netherlands 2, Qatar 0, England 3, Wales 0, pardon me, not 0, 0, and USA 1 0 over Iran. You gotta say 0, and it's not a game, it's a match. And it's not a tie, it's a draw. I believe that's the, the uh, soccer lingo. No one's corrected me on uh, that yet anyway. Oilers uh, quick skate today for some of the guys. And then they uh, flew to Chicago. Tomorrow, our coverage on 6.30, Chad, will start with the face-off show at 6. The game is at 7.30, so it's a late one in Chicago. That's 8.30 Central Time. And don't forget, Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to two. Of course, uh, so many captivating stories out of the World Cup, even though we know now that Canada is not going to advance. For her perspective, an Olympic gold medalist with the women's team uh, and just uh, an outstanding player during his her tenure with the uh, with the women's national team, Steph Labbe checking in tonight. Steph, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Great for having me. Well, it's always nice to talk to you. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a pleasure to to catch up. Uh, just to, before we dive into some World Cup stuff or, or other storylines, let everybody know what you're up to these days. Oof, what am I up to? I'm <laughs> currently yeah, general manager for the Vancouver Whitecaps women's program. Uh, it's been a big challenge for me, but it's been one that I've you know been up for, and it's been a really exciting time. You know, being able to finally be in a position where all of the things I've been talking about and fighting for, you know, with the women's national team and fighting for for women's soccer in this country, to be now working for one of the most historical clubs in this country, um, and to have the support of them and you know, taking all of those words and really putting it into action. Um, it's its a really amazing feeling, and its I feel so lucky to be able to be doing what I'm doing. So is if I would have told you at any point in your playing career that you would go into management, would have you said, yeah, that makes sense, or was that never even on your, your radar as something you do after you finish playing? 
Yeah, probably would have said you're crazy. <laughs> uh, wasn't necessarily something that was, you know, at the front of my mind. Um, but at the same time, I didn't necessarily have a clear picture of what I wanted to do. I always knew I wanted to stay in the game. I wanted to stay involved. Um, I knew coaching wasn't necessarily um, like what was going to get me out of bed every single day. Um, I enjoy it, but I didn't think that was a long term thing. So I knew I wanted to kind of, yeah, stay in the game, still stay close enough where I can, you know, affect players, create good culture, um, fight for the game in this country. So it's really a perfect blend of that where I, you know, still have that impact on players and have that ability to connect with them and create positive environments, um, but also be able to push the game forward from a, a bigger level. Yeah. Well, good for you for doing that. Uh, I, I personally, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised you're doing that because you've always shown a lot of leadership and a lot of drive to do new things. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, to change gears just a little bit, the, the World Cup, obviously a huge story right now. I'm, I'm just going to ask you this. What do you think of the F Croatia stuff? <laughs> you, I mean, you had Herdman as a coach. Did that surprise you? Do you feel it's overblown? Just tell me about it. Yeah, it's it's a tough one for me. You know, everything is obviously speculation. We don't know what's going on there. Um, my biggest thing is, you know, I think you could tell in that interview, number one, that John was passionate. He was motivated. I think coming out of that Belgium game, like the team and I think all of Canada really had this true uh, honest sense of we can we can be here you know we're not just here we're competing we're you know playing one of the best teams in the world off of the park dominating creating all these chances so I think there was this deep belief um, not only in you know all of us as fans but also in John that hey if we can you know do this against Belgium like bring on who's next you know and I don't think it really mattered who was next in their minds they knew they lost this game they had to get a result so John's a motivator. I think he, you know, in the moment got caught in the moment in terms of the excitement, the the pride and the, yeah, I think the confidence of how they performed in that game and thought, hey, if we go out and perform just like that um, against, you know, another top team, hopefully we can put in another brilliant performance like that and, and actually get a result this time. So I think it was a mix of that. You know, maybe the words he chose weren't, um, you know, perfect, but we've all said things in the heat of the moment that we don't necessarily, you know, mean specifically. Um, but yeah, so I think it's, I think it has been blown out. You know, at the end of the day, that's not why we lost 4-1 to Croatia. Um, but, you know, it's heat of the moment. We get excited. We're we're back in our team and, and things like that happen. Yeah, okay. Um, it, it, as, I mean, obviously you're, you're a fan as well as being someone who's incredibly knowledgeable about it. Um, it you know, Morocco is still to come. Should we, we're not going to make the second round. Should should we be disappointed? Should there still be pride that this was, uh, you know, a learning experience and ultimately a step forward for the men's? For, and, maybe, and maybe you haven't processed this yet because we don't know what's going to happen against Morocco, but we know we're not going to make the second round. But you know where I'm, I'm going? Like, it's, it's a bummer that we're already out, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And to be honest, like being on the other side of it, you know, being on the women's team and, and playing in those games where, you know, we already know that we're through or, you know, we we know that we still have something to play for and you're playing against a team that's already out. Sometimes those are the toughest games because those teams have nothing to lose. They're ready to throw everything at you and come out and they really have, like I said, yeah, nothing to lose in that game. So I think for the Canadians, they have nothing to lose. They can go out. They can be confident in the performances they've had. Um, and, you know, they're still chasing history. You know, they've been talking about it and it's a clear thing. We've got that that goal now and and they want to go out and get a result you know whether it's a tie or a win like they want that result they've never gotten that and anytime you get to step on the field number one representing your country but in a world cup anytime you get to do that 
it's an honor. And so um, I would be extremely disappointed if they didn't go out and try to get a result in the game and give everything that they have. Um, I'd be disappointed in that. So um, from what I know of John, he's going to be motivating them to the end of the earth um, to, to go out and put in another proud performance to to leave this World Cup on a positive note and to, to leave it on a high, to leave it on, you know, some good memories that they can take away with them and build on for the next four years. Can you shed some light for me? Because I mean, you you played in in several tournaments with this format, right? Like it's it's still a relatively short tournament as opposed to a you know thirty forty game league season. Um, like you have to approach it with with a different mentality because there can be it can change fast for teams, right? There can be all this optimism, and then five days later, it's like, oh man, we're in trouble here. Like, what's it like to go through a tournament with that pace as a player? Yeah, it's definitely, you know, and and it's even shorter when you lose the first two games, you know, <laughs> you know right. it feels a lot shorter in that sense. But anytime you go into a tournament, um, the, the, the roller coaster of emotions is there. Like, you know, you can go from extreme highs to extreme lows and you have to recover quick. Um, and the best teams are the most consistent teams. Um, teams that get through these major tournaments are the ones that are consistent and that build off of every single performance and keep getting better. They're not necessarily the best in game one, but they're the best in game seven. And um, I think that's what, you know, when we see the the other teams building throughout this tournament, we're going to see every team's going to face adversity in one way or another, but it's those teams that remain consistent and that continue to build off of performances um, that, that are going to make it. And so it is a different mindset. So you don't have, you know, a week between games where you're, working on one thing and then you kind of learn from that game, you move on to the next, like you really have to be able to learn as quick as you can bounce back and get ready for that next game. And there's no time to dwell. There's no time to think about the mistakes we've made. No time to think about, you know, should have, could have, would have, um, you've got to keep moving on and keep looking forward and look at what the next task is and what can you get out of that next game? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you one more Steph. Steph Labe joining us tonight at inside sports. So, when uh, James Duffy on TSN was talking with his panelists and he said the Alfonso Davy goal is the biggest moment in Canadian soccer history. And then he said to Janine Becky, pardon me, biggest moment in Canadian men's soccer history. Uh, <laughs> like does, does that need to be qualified every time? Is it just assumed we're separating the two genders? Like, are you sitting there thinking like, okay, you should always talk about the success of the women's team or like, you know what I mean? Like, where are you with all that? Cause you guys blaze the trail and you got, I think you got a lot of people uh, interested in international soccer because of, of, because of your success over the last 15, 20 years. Right. Yeah. I think I've said this before, everyone makes mistakes. Um, I truly believe that. At the same time, this isn't something new, unfortunately, in our country. Like, there's been uh, constant reminders of the inequality between the men's and women's program. There's been constant reminders of what we value more in this country. Um, and I think the women have been, just because we're fighting for equality and equity, just because we're fighting for equal representation and equal media and you know an equal voice and things um it doesn't mean we don't want the success of the men's team so I, these comments are a constant um you know push down to the women's program and then they're a constant uh yeah like it's it's very hard for us to hear them because they happen over and over and over and over so yes this is a specific situation where we're in a men's world cup we're talking about the men's world cup everything is kind of revolved around the men's game so we make these comments without thinking about it. And if it was a one-off, you know, we wouldn't be talking about it, but it's the fact that these comments happen all the time. It's the fact that 
you know, we talk about Ronaldo being the greatest scorer, you know, of all time without even talking about, you know, Sinclair being the greatest scorer in all of international football. Like there's these things that we are constantly being brought up and constantly fighting for. And I think the narrative that comes out of this is every time the the women speak up about this, there's this narrative that we don't support the men or we don't, we're jealous of what the men get, or, you know, we don't think the men should be getting what they get. And that that's completely false. Like for me, I want the men to have all of the representation that they're getting. I want the men to be paid what they should be paid. I want the men to have, you know, the the places in the media that they that they are getting, if not more. But I just want the women to have that equal as well. Like the like you said, the women, we've scored multiple goals in World Cups. I don't even know how many to count. We've won games in World Cups. We've gotten out of the group in World Cups. We've won knockout games in World Cups. We've been in semifinals of World Cups. Like the women have done this consistently. We've been in the last, I don't even know how many World Cups straight, you know, last seven World Cups straight, whatever it is. We've won three Olympic medals. Like the women have done all these things. So every time something that the men do when they hit these small milestones and we say it's the greatest thing that's ever happened in Canada, yeah, it's it's a disappointment and it, it's infuriating as a female player to know what we've done and the credit isn't there, you know, and. I brought up this point um, before, you know, in the 24 hours leading into the first game of, of the Men's World Cup, you know, on, on the Canada Soccer Instagram, there's 20 posts in 24 hours leading into that first game. Leading into our first game in Tokyo, there was five. So it's it's not that we don't want the men getting this. We just expect the same thing for the women. So I think for me, the more that we're fighting um, and the more that we're hearing these comments, I just hope that, you know, the Women's World Cup is in eight months and I expect everything that we've been giving to the men, everything that the men have seen in this lead up to this, the women get the exact same thing in the lead up to their World Cup. Steph, as always, uh, I appreciate your uh, perspective. Uh, I appreciate your your passion for, for soccer and for Canadian soccer. And uh, you are always welcome on this program. Uh, continued uh, success here on your journey with the Whitecaps. And let's talk again soon, okay? This was great. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. So news today that was initially reported by a member of the 630 Chet Sports Department that the University of Alberta will host women's basketball nationals in 2024. First time the tournament in Edmonton since 2001. Pandas head coach is Scott Edwards. Scott, great to talk to you again. How are things? They're, uh, they're really good today, Reed, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome news. I, I know this is uh, obviously going to happen next spring, but uh, just the yeah. significance of the uh, U of A being named the host of the of the national basketball tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be huge for our institution, for the city, for youth basketball, I think, and all the exciting things that we hopefully have 
are going to be able to put on during that week of the tournament. And it's just nice to have this much lead time, right? we got about 16 months before the tournament here in the city, and that gives us plenty of time to think about the vision we have for the event and then how we can make it a great experience for everyone involved. What about the uh, – and the men's tournament was just here, uh, I guess, a few months ago, uh, and now the women's tournament is coming. What, what about the benefits or, or just the Savile Centre I mean, why it's a great uh, site for hosting in nationals? Yeah, if anyone was able to be out of the Savile last spring to watch the men's tournament, they would have got a glimpse of it. It was just a phenomenal venue. I mean, it's, it's great sight lines in there. It's big enough to host this tournament and, and really pack that place. It's a very loud venue. It's a lot of fun to play in when it's full. And just the space that we have in that building allows every team that's competing at the tournament you know, to get enough court time. You're not worried about trying to fit eight teams into one court to practice. There's a lot of space there and team rooms and things. And so it's a great venue. It's going to be fun to be able to showcase it to the rest of the country as well. Okay. Does this change anything for you recruiting-wise? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big part of uh, finally being allowed to tell the, the athletes we've been talking to and then, you know, those new ones that we got to go out and search for, uh, that, that this is going to be an opportunity for them to play in the national championship guaranteed on their home floor just an exciting time and um, we're looking forward to being able to, to talk about that with the, ne the next up-and-comers okay uh in terms of this year's team i was just double checking the standings you'll correct me if i'm wrong i believe you're you're five and one uh i, I mean I, I, I as people probably know i used to do the play-by-play -play for uh you guys it's been a long time since i did that but mm -hmm. usually alberta was uh at or near the top of the standings but does yeah. Canada West remain, uh, like, extremely competitive? I mean, I always remember that one year I was doing the games, and the top ten had six Canada West teams. Slightly unusually, yeah. unusual, but there's often four. Yeah. Does this Canada West women's basketball remain that competitive and sort of top-heavy? I think it is this year. Like, we've, I think there is probably eight teams that could comfortably sit there and, and talk about legitimately winning the conference title this year. And, I mean, there's a, there's a bit of separation. We've got a couple of the, the number one ranked team in the country, Regina right now, and Fraser Valley's in the top five. And uh, Saskatchewan's always very good, and Calgary's been very good. And so it, there's, a, there's a number of teams in this conference that uh, could say they could win it, and including, you know, the team we're going to go play this weekend. UBC's got a great team. So... Um, exciting times. I think it's been a few years where we get back to that sort of parody that you remember from, from your days on the mic that um, you know, that the conference is, is top heavy right now and it's kind of exciting to be a part of. Uh, the, the, the conference is big. Do you play everybody or is it you can't do a complete sort of round robin or double round robin over the course of the regular season? Yeah, 17 teams in the league now, so it's a little difficult. We we typically, well, we get 11 out of the 17 every year and there's six we don't see. And so I try to you know, use some of our non-conference to play those those six every year. Oh, okay. So you still might see them, but just not in. Do they designate a rival that you will always play? Yeah, we're in pods of four, and so there's for us it's uh, University of Saskatchewan, University of Calgary, and McEwen, and that's our kind of rival game. So we are guaranteed to play them every year, and then after that it's uh, different pods from different parts of the conference. And you're right, it's so geographically large and, and just numbers of teams. It's the biggest in the country. Uh, how long have you been coaching the Pandas now? 17th season this year. You're, okay, you're up to your 17th season, but, I, but I'm going to yeah. guess, just going off my memory, you're probably not the longest-serving coach in the conference. No, I'm not. Uh, like that's, well, that's left. amazing, yeah. though, and that's why it's so competitive, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. You have a lot of stability at the, at the top of programs. I think that at UBA specifically, we've done a great job of maintaining and retaining coaches 
And I think that's been one of the secrets to the, the whole athletic program success is just continuity year to year. And, and in women's basketball, it seems to be a big deal. And so, you know, those teams that are always at the top, typically the coaches have been there for quite a while. All right. So with some of these coaches that you go against, you know, two to four times a season, like, are there any mm-hmm. secrets anymore? Or like, do you ever look over and be like, okay, I know what you're calling now. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, not, not a lot for the ones that I've been coaching against for a while. It's same for me, right? So you have to, you have to be very crafty with those ones that know you very well. So it, it adds another layer to the whole uh, preparation each week. Okay, are you home or away this weekend? Uh, we're out at UBC this weekend, so it's going to be a good good end of the semester test for us to play the Thunderbirds. Okay, awesome. Well, yeah, all the best this weekend. I don't think it's too early. I'll wish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, you too. Okay, yeah, yeah. And congratulations yeah. on U of A getting national, Scott. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Hopefully we can see lots of Edmontonians out there watch that tournament. It's going to be a great one. Right on. That is Scott Edwards. Love talking to him, head coach of the U of A Pandas basketball team. And uh, the uh, U of A will host the Women's National Tournament. That is in 2024, but they uh, announce it today. Uh, I got a lot of time for Scott Edwards. I got a lot of time for uh, U of A basketball, but I got to know Scott quite a bit when I used to uh, call the games. He's an outstanding, outstanding coach. All right. Just quickly before we go, uh, I want to update a couple of games. The Bruins do win 3-1, so they continue to cruise. The Hurricanes got an overtime win against the Penguins. Flames are up 3-0 on the Panthers after the first. Jets up 3-0 on the Avs after two. 6 o'clock face-off show tomorrow. Game at 7.30. Oilers at Blackhawks. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. And to Kellen Kennedy. He is your studio producer. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening.